Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.41 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 21st of October, 2021. This is episode 496 of Bitcoin, and I know it's late. I mean, come on, it's late in the day. Usually I cut these things at about 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying something new today. Uh, I, You know, honestly, I'm just getting more and more affected by the way the light changes when we go into fall and winter, and it's getting darker earlier and it's you know staying dark uh you know into the more you know into the morning usually like in the summertime even when i wake up at six there's like the you know it's the crack of dawn you know outside but lately dude it's like pitch black outside so uh just you know honestly just i couldn't do it this morning i was like fuck this dude i'm just gonna lay in bed for a little bit longer and, you know, I hope, I, I hope it didn't really, you know, affect you guys, but, you know, if it did, you know, feel free to punish me in, tw- <clears throat> on Twitter, okay? So, what shall we do? Well, today is going to be a lot about ETFs. Yes, I know. I know you're like, you're going, my God, why? Well, because they're out there, they can be used as a weapon against us, and they're not going to go away. They're just going to get, there's just going to be more of them. Okay. You're going to have to wake up to the fact that legacy finance is going to claw their way into our little world. And they're going to use all their tools to try to figure out how to stop Bitcoin until they finally realize that they can't and that they've got to do this a different way. And that different way is going to be join us or die because this is not a negotiation. But who is negotiating, or maybe negotiating, is China. Check this shit out. Osato Avin Nemoyo is writing this for Cointelegraph. China's state planning agency calls for public opinion on Bitcoin mining ban. <laughs> Before I even begin this, let me remind every miner out there that was ever involved with China, unless you are colossally st- stupid you will not set foot back in china all right there is no reason in the world for any miner to pull up stakes and go back to that shithole because they are gonna fuck you just like they fucked you before it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and just how bad it's going to be are they going to confiscate your mining rigs this time all right i'm just saying So let's get into this shit. China's National Development and Reform Commission is seeking public opinion on the inclusion of crypto mining in its list of, quote, phased out industries. The call for public comments by the country's macroeconomic planning agency was contained in a release issued on Thursday. Back on September 24th, the agency added digital currency mining to its list of outdated industries following sweeping crackdowns by authorities in Beijing against crypto miners. The move offered a definitive stance by the commission after seemingly going back and forth on the issue for the last two years. As part of the calls for public comments, the agency's notice requested public feedback from relevant units as well as people from all walks of life. The public comment period will last for one month between Thursday, October 21st and November the 21st. Members of the public interested in providing feedback on the matter will have four different avenues to make their opinions known, including email, physical mail, and comment sections on the commission's website. In a related development, the commission also put out a post on its website stating that the United States had replaced China as the dominant Bitcoin mining nation in the world. Indeed. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, 
The United States now accounts for over a third of the global Bitcoin mining hash rate distribution with Kazakhstan and Russia in second and third place respectively. Even before Beijing's crackdown, crypto miners in North America had been expanding their capacity with massive hardware orders for major manufacturers such as <clears throat> Bitmain and MicroBT. At the height of China's dominance, Chinese miners controlled three quarters of the global Bitcoin hash rate. Chinese miners driven out by the band have reportedly moved their hardware to overseas locations, including Kazakhstan, with states such as Texas and Florida looking to attract some of these companies. Well, we already have attracted some of those companies. And uh, like I said, unless they are colossally stupid, you know, they will never set foot back in China. I wouldn't. They've been, China has been fucking the miners and screwing exchanges and everybody in crypto and Bitcoin forever. We have always dealt with China FUD. We don't have to deal with China FUD any longer unless the idiocy takes over the minds of some of these major miners and they go, oh, it's okay now. We'll go back to China. Yeah, like it's not going to happen again. If you do go back, it's a question of if they confiscate or when they confiscate your shit and, and not let it out of the country this time, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And they will, this time, they will confiscate your physical miners. And honestly, uh, if anybody's still, well, the, for the people that are producing ASICs in China right now, be prepared to not be able to ship your shit outside of China. I, I fully expect China to do a ban on any kind of mining at like selling miners to anybody other than internal Chinese miners. The only way China's going to start bootstrapping Ch uh, Bitcoin mining again is internally from people who already live there and by the manufacturers that create the miners that are there. That's what's going to happen. Mark my words. Now, <clears throat> Van Eck to join ProShares in launching a Bitcoin futures ETF. So here we begin with the ETF stuff. I'm sorry guys, but you know, it's out there, we gotta do it. Coindesk, and it's being written by Nicholas Day. Van Eck will join ProShares in launching a Bitcoin futures <coughs> exchange traded fund next week. <coughs> the company revealed it had secured approval to launch its Bitcoin linked ETF in a post-effective filing with the SEC, indicating the SEC has given the company permission to launch its fund after October the 23rd, which is a Saturday. Trading will begin as soon as practicable after the effective date, which suggests Monday, October the 25th. Quote, the fund is actively managed, a actively managed exchange traded fund that seeks to achieve its investment objective by investing under normal circumstances in standardized cash settled Bitcoin futures contracts traded on commodity exchanges registered with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission or the CFTC, such as the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. The fund does not invest in Bitcoin and other digital assets directly, the filing noted. And that's because they can't, not yet. Anyway, the SEC greenlit the first Bitcoin futures ETF last week, according to a similar regulatory filing ProShares filed late last Friday. The product began trading on Tuesday, immediately becoming one of the largest ETF debuts in U.S. history. ProShares and VanEck's approval marked the first time U.S. investors can buy and trade shares of an ETF directly linked to Bitcoin. The U.S. follows in the footsteps of Canada and certain European nations. They don't include Brazil here. Even Brazil had one. Anyway, European nations, which have allowed Bitcoin ETFs and other exchange-traded products to go live already. Canada allowed physically backed Bitcoin ETFs to launch earlier this year. However, while the U.S. is still only allowing futures-linked ETFs to go live, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler, who opened the door for these products in August, has said in multiple public statements that he believes ETFs filed under the Investment Company Act of 1940, how ancient can you get, which govern the futures ETFs, provide stronger investment protections than the, S or the Securities Act of 1933, which governs physical ETFs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bitcoin's price has risen in anticipation of the launch of Bitcoin futures as well as following the successful debut of the ProShares product on Tuesday. On Wednesday, the price of Bitcoin hit a new all-time high above $65,000. Yeah, we're seeing some, some pretty severe pullback right now, but don't worry. Hoddle on, bro. 
Now, <clears throat> let's see. What do we got here? Oh, yeah. that was So that story was about Van Eck. There's another one. Okay, this is a third one, right? This, but Bitcoin Magazine's headline is second Bitcoin-linked ETF in the U.S. to begin trading on Friday. That's tomorrow, okay? And this is not Van Eck. Van Eck's going to start trading on Monday or supposedly. This, this one is Valkyrie's Bitcoin-linked exchange-traded fund. This is written by Nomsios, again, for Bitcoin Magazine. Valkyrie's Bitcoin-linked exchange-traded fund has beaten Van Eck in the race <clears throat> and will list the second Bitcoin futures ETF in the U.S. on Friday, October the 22nd. Van Eck is set to launch its own offering on Monday, October the 25th, the, the third of its kind in the country. One week, guys, we got three ETFs. One week. They're catching up fast. We got to be careful here. The Valkyrie Bitcoin Strategy ETF will start trading on Friday, according to senior ETF analyst at Bloomberg, Eric Baltunas. The asset manager likely exploited its status as a first-time issuer to skip the queue by requesting to become effective, Balkanis previously said, leading to Valkyrie up the, leading Valkyrie up the line and ahead of the Van Eck ETF. The Bitcoin ETF race in the United States has been fierce over the past year after several, and I stress that, several delayed applications. The SEC finally allowed an ETF linked to Bitcoin to start trading on October the 19th, which was the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF. But with one caveat, none of the three offerings yet approved will buy or hold BTC directly. That's a very important point, y'all. Instead, the set of ETFs being listed in the U.S. have all been Bitcoin futures ETFs, meaning that they seek Bitcoin exposure through futures contracts of BTC traded on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In September, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler commented that derivative-based BTC ETFs would be more likely to be approved by regulating commissions. Fast forward one month and a handful of Bitcoin futures ETFs are successfully lined up for listing in the country. Today, the first Bitcoin-linked ETF to list in the U.S. became the first ever ETF to reach $1 billion in assets under management. The gold ETF, GLD, held the previous record as the quickest exchange-traded fund to hit $1 billion in AUM. That was, it took them three days to do that. So there you go, there's a little bit more. So now we're, we're sitting on, by, by the end of, uh, close of the bell Monday, we will have three active futures-based Bitcoin ETFs in this country. That all happened within basically a week, all right? so. What does next week hold? Shit, I don't know. It's only Thursday. My God almighty. So now what's, what's this one? <clears throat> oh, Bitcoin ETFs aren't new. Here's how they fared outside of the U.S. This is a Coindesk article, and it looks to be written by Edward Osteban and George Kaloudis. Trading for the first Bitcoin futures exchange traded fund approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission began this week for U.S. investors and the cryptocurrency market appears to be rallying around its launch. The ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF was the first to list on the New York Stock Exchange and started trading on Tuesday. However, it's vital to note what the approved ETF actually looks like and how much potential demand there might be for these products. One way to gauge interest is to see how other ETFs around the world, you know, because the world is not consisting only of the United States, how have they performed and what investors are actually looking for in a Bitcoin investment vehicle. So the SEC approved Bitcoin ETF is a futures-based trading products and does not hold any of the underlying crypto assets. A futures-based ETF tracks the derivative of Bitcoin rather than the actual asset itself. According to Coindesk Learn, Bitcoin futures may diverge from the spot price of Bitcoin due to the prevailing market sentiment, so Bitcoin futures ETFs might also occasionally track the price of Bitcoin inaccurately, end quote. In contrast, Spot-based ETFs hold the underlying asset and give investors direct exposure to the price movements of Bitcoin. However, these investment products have been repeatedly rejected by the SEC. As Americans attempt to understand the effects of the futures ETFs, there's no better place to look than Canada for contrast. 
The upstairs neighbor has several crypto-focused ETFs trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange with billions of dollars in assets under management. 3IQ coin shares, Purpose Bitcoin, and CI Galaxy Bitcoin are three of the largest funds. Purpose is the largest with $1.2 billion in assets under management as of October the 13th. More importantly, the top three ETFs by assets under management are all directly invested in spot Bitcoin, with the futures-based alternatives drawing in only $7.6 million in assets under management, or about 0.3% of Canadian ETFs, providing insight to the preference of investors. An interesting fact comes to bear if we look at the holders of the Purpose and CI Galaxy ETFs. According to FactSet, the Purpose Bitcoin ETF is held by unknown entities, while 28% of CI Galaxy ETF holders are institutions, namely Bain Capital Public Equity and CI Investments. This likely means the holders of Purpose are individual investors or smaller investment advisors, which align with the ethos of the requisite parties. CIGAM and Galaxy's focus is on institutions while Purpose Investments markets itself as an innovative consumer financial services company. With that, given the growth of crypto has been largely retail driven, it might be unsurprising that Purpose ETF has more than three times the asset under management of CI Galaxies and what's more. Purpose Investments recently announced that it has applied for three more crypto-focused ETFs, along with a privately offered fund offering exposure to decentralized finance, or DeFi. Investors around the world, including Germany and Switzerland, are flocking to physically-backed exchange-traded products. That's physically-backed, okay? They, they know better. They, they know better than to get into this whole futures bullshit. The 21 shares Bitcoin ETP, or the exchange traded product, which is 100% exposed to spot BTC, is listed on both the Swiss exchange and several German exchanges, German exchanges, and is nearing half a billion dollars in assets under management. Much like the Canadian ETFs, 21 shares ETP has 100% exposure to single asset Bitcoin and has significantly more demand than their crypto index indices and multi-asset counterparts, of which the largest has $215 million in assets under management. One of the newer entrants to the Bitcoin ETF world, Brazil, also went with the spot-based option. QR Capital's Bitcoin ETF is trading on the Sao Paulo exchange and holds 100% BTC with $41 million in assets under management. According to Bitwise CIO Matt Hugan, futures ETFs could cost an additional 5 to 10% per year to roll into new futures contracts as e or rather at each expiry alongside another 1 to 2% in fees. Furthermore, futures ETFs are only 85% exposed to the underlying asset with the remaining 15% being invested in other asset classes. Spot ETFs track the price of the underlying asset much more closely than their futures-based counterparts for less of a cost, making the product more attractive to investors who want direct exposure to Bitcoin without custody risk. For example, according to Bloomberg, Horizon's front-month rolling Bitcoin index has returned 530% over the past two years, while Bitcoin itself returned 660% over the exact same period. If we look at price correlation of Bitcoin, a Bitcoin spot ETF like Purpose and a Bitcoin futures ETF like Horizon Beta, or, uh, Horizon Beta Pro, we see that the futures ETF does an adequate job of tracking the price of Bitcoin. However, the spot ETF maintains slightly closer price correlation. Given the cost of maintaining a spot ETF is lower than maintaining a futures ETF, it follows that spot ETFs would be a better option strictly for tracking the price of Bitcoin. Note that the correlation chart included considers the direct price correlation rather than a correlation on returns to showcase how well the ETFs track Bitcoin on a dollar basis as we are not looking at cross assets. 
the chairman of the SEC has been outspoken about investor protection and the oversight that comes alongside futures markets and other derivatives. Gensler deemed the spot Bitcoin market susceptible to manipulation and an illegitimate source of an exchange-traded product. However, Bitwise argues the regulated CME Bitcoin market is now the leader in price discovery, making it a viable option for spot-based ETFs. The addition of any Bitcoin ETF was a long time coming in the U.S., but hopeful ETF providers have had even less luck in other countries, with France and Australia just beginning to offer, quote, crypto-focused equity funds, holding stock in mining companies or in crypto-invested strategic companies like MicroStrategy, has been a loophole for investors to gain exposure to the growth of the crypto industry. The United States' recent decision may pave the way for regulation worldwide, considering its sheer dominance throughout other ETF markets. While futures-based ETFs are not investors' first choice, the combination of crypto and ETFs could make a big splash, introducing a new class of investor to both sectors. Considering that the global ETF industry currently has $9.4 trillion in assets under management, growing at an annual rate of 26%, while crypto's market capitalization sits at $2.75 trillion and most of its value being held on retail exchanges and trusts like Grayscale or on-chain where it can be used as intended. The U.S. represents $5.47 trillion in ETF assets under management, or 70% of the overall market signaling its adoption of crypto ETFs could be unprecedented. Sufficient demand for the futures product could also lead to an influx of capital to ETF markets and increased buying pressure on BTC. If the first day of trading was any indication, the United States market has clearly been waiting for easier access to Bitcoin. ProShares Bito ETF did over 1 billion in volume, the second highest of any ETF at launch. Furthermore, the launch of futures-based ETFs may be a stepping stone to the maturity of Bitcoin trading markets and the eventual listing of a spot-based product. If the SEC agrees with Bitwise that the regulated CME market is responsible for price discovery, a wave of true spot ETFs might not be far off. I think that there, that's actually going to happen. I think we're going to see a way, this first wave is going to be Bitcoin futures ETFs. And then there's going to probably be a wave of bullshit, you know, uh, shitcoin ETFs that come on the heels of all this. And then you're gonna start getting the spot market is gonna come in. Uh, it's gonna happen. And I'll bet you my ass, that it's going to be grayscale is going to be success the, the first company to offer because they're going to be successful at converting the grayscale bitcoin trust into a spot future or rather a spot btc etf that's what i think is going to happen so we'll we'll have to see if i'm wrong make sure that you tell me hey you screwed that shit up just like houston screwed this shit up houston firefighters pension fund makes bitcoin and Ether purchases, uh, you know, they were half right. They were almost there. Coindesk tells us more from Jamie Crawley. A pension fund for firefighters in Houston has made a purchase in Bitcoin and Ether facilitated by a Bitcoin investment firm, NYDIG. The Houston Firefighters Relief and Retirement Funds purchase marks the first time a public pension plan in the United States has announced an investment in digital assets, according to an announcement on Thursday. Let's hold up for a second to talk a little bit about Houston. Do you have any idea how large Houston is as a city? The thing is massive, all right? I mean, it is a massive, massive metro area. We're not talking about Joe's Backyard Pension Fund here. We're talking about a major population center in the United States whose first responders are going to see their pension funds include Bitcoin. And sadly, it's shitcoin number one, whatever. The fund has invested $25 million in Bitcoin and shitcoin one, though it is not disclosed how this is split between the two. The fund holds over $4 billion in total assets, according to Bloomberg. Quote, I see this as another tool to manage my risk. Bloomberg quoted Arjit Singh, the chief investment officer for the fund is saying, quote, it has a positive expected return and it manages my risk. It has a low correlation to every other asset class, end quote. 
The investment was made via Bitcoin investment firm Nidig, which is providing the custody for the crypto purchased. The HFRRF, which is the pension fund's name, membership is composed of 6,600 active and retired firefighters and their families. Since 2004, active firefighters have contributed 9% of their salary to the fund, with the city of Houston required to contribute at least double that amount by state statute. So, welcome to the world. You're welcome. Pension funds are coming in. The minute that these guys make, you know, dime one on this investment and they, and like, and some time gets under their belt, expect Dallas, expect San Antonio, expect Austin, expect Lubbock, expect Midland and Odessa, and let's say, oh, College Station, probably going to uh, fall in there as well. It's not exactly a small city. <clears throat> This is going to happen and it's going to spread like wildfire and it's going to be spreading like wildfire at the same time that spot ETFs come online. Guys, if you're thinking about selling because this dip is going on, stop it. Just hold on. If you can have a modicum of patience here, you will most likely be well rewarded. All right, so that's going to do it for the first part of the show. Let's run the numbers. I see red people. Specifically, I see red across all of the markets today. It's a pretty bad day in legacy land. And we're going to start with flammable liquids, which are getting pummeled. Uh, West Texas Intermediate has a full 2.5% drop to $81.29. Brent North Sea, likewise, two and a third points down. $83.79 per barrel. Natural gas taking it on the chin at two and a quarter. $5.05 per thousand cubic feet, and gasoline is down 1.77% to $2.46 a gallon, which basically equates to $7.25 on the West Coast for gas for a gallon. Can you imagine, guys, if, if I've got any listeners that are out there on the West Coast and you're saying, yeah, duh, I can imagine. I'm sitting in my car while it's filling up and eating into my goddamn bank account right now. Look, I'm sorry, really, but... Holy shit, $7.25 a gallon in California. Oh, I just can't even imagine paying that with those kind of commutes. Can you? I don't know. And, well, shiny metal rocks also not doing well. Uh, gold is down a scant, but it's still below $1,800, $1,783.40. Silver is down almost a full point, though, 24 bucks and a quarter. Platinum is down 0.16%. Copper taking it, whoa. Copper's getting hammered, dude. Huh, get it, hammered copper? Well, whatever. Three and a half points to the downside. Palladium likewise getting hammered. Four and a quarter points to the downside. All the agricultural futures are down. And the biggest loser today is cotton. Three and a half points to the downside. Wheat, soybean, and corn are down, all down over a full point with soybeans down one and one half point. Um, let's see. Oh, indices are also down. Dow future, well, the, uh, actually they're trading, right? They're, you know, well, they're trading now, but it looks like they're, uh, everything was listing in the red except for NASDAQ futures, which was going to be up a quarter of a point. So anyway, there, there's your legacy bullshit. Now, uh, Bitcoin, mm, $63,000 or $63,057.58. So we actually tagged $67,000. So we've got a $4,000 da uh, downside here. Um, but the 67,000 didn't hold very long at all. Uh, and I didn't expect it to, but 331,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is almost 14,000 transactions every hour on the hour with only 790,000 BTC trading hands in that 24 hour period. That's 33,000 BTC being sent around every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 2.39 BTC and a median transaction value of 0 0.016 BTC or about 977 bucks. Block time's recovering a bit, nine minutes and 28 seconds, so we're still short. Uh, 0.14 BTC taken in fees in the last 24 hours. Oh, I'm sorry, actually 
sorry, 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 22.5 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a 7.43% downwards uh, adjustment in hash rate. We are now at 147.7 exahashes per second. Uh, your shitcoin indicator is Doge, which is almost a full quarter of a dollar, uh, 24 and a half United States pennies, and it shouldn't be anywhere close to that. Now, 8,618 transactions are waiting on nine blocks to clear. Wow, we're actually, we've actually got some on-chain activity here. Um, $1.19 trillion is the market capitalization of Bitcoin, which is 10 and a quarter percent of gold's entire market cap. And you can buy 35 and a half ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,850,054.00 in circulation. 3,106 and a quarter of those are in the Lightning Network, which has a capacity value now of $196.5 million being run over 17,120 nodes and 77,123 payment channels. Uh, a full three quarters of all that activity is being run over the Tor Network. And so that means that 2,309.96 BTC are in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 10,659 Tor nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Sanctioned Russian oligarch urges a central bank to embrace Bitcoin from Cointelegraph. Helen Parts, in fact. And Russian oligarch Oleg Diposki has once again called on the Russian government to stop ignoring Bitcoin after the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation raided his home in Washington, New York. Actually, it says raided his homes in Washington, and New York. So apparently the guy's rather rich. In a Telegram post on Thursday, Deripaska argued that the Bank of Russia has been infantile in ignoring the growing cryptocurrency market, while the United States Department of the Treasury has been investing particularly in this direction. The billionaire emphasized that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have massive potential to not only help Russia avoid U.S. sanctions, but also to weaken the U.S. dollar, stating, quote, the U.S. had realized long ago that uncontrolled digital payments are capable of not only nullifying the effectiveness of the entire mechanism of economic sanctions, but also taking down the dollar as a whole, end quote. Deripaska specifically referred to a U.S. sanctions review published by the United States Treasury in October of 2021, according to the oligarch. The U.S. authority, quote, effectively admitted that the growing fintech tools like cryptocurrencies pose a serious threat to the United States dollar. Quote, this means that the development of the cryptocurrency market uncontrolled by the state can put the U.S. Treasury in front of a potential default due to its $30 trillion debt, Deripaska argued. Quote, it's time to open your eyes and take cryptocurrency seriously. In an aging American establishment, there are a lot of people willing to fight, end quote, he stated. Last Friday, the United States Treasury published a brochure providing guidance for cryptocurrency companies to make sure that they are complying with U.S. sanctions. In the document, the authority said that sanctions by the Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, apply equally to transactions involving virtual currencies and those involving traditional fiat currencies, adding, quote, members of the virtual currency industry are responsible for ensuring that they do not engage directly or indirectly in transactions prohibited by OFAC sanctions. Yeah, good luck, bitch. Such as dealings with blocked persons or property or engaging in prohibited trade or investment-related transactions. Meh, meh. Darius Paska's latest remarks come after FBI agents raided homes linked to the oligarch in Washington and New York City on Tuesday. A Deripaska representative reportedly said the searches were carried out on the basis of two court warrants related to United States sanctions. With reported close ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin, Deripaska was placed under U.S. sanctions in 2018. The Russian oligarch has slammed 
the Russian central bank for rejecting Bitcoin before. In June, the billionaire argued that Russia needed to move into crypto to provide a real financial instrument enabling independence in foreign trade and settlements. Holy shit. Okay, he's, uh, yeah, he's just a billionaire. You know, he's just really freaking well connected, which I mean, if he's a really good friends with Vladimir Putin, he's probably in the intelligentsia in Russia because that's where Putin came from. He came out of intelligence. Look, you'd say what you want about Russia. You may hate them. I don't know. I grew up with Russia being our enemy. I literally grew up in, you want to talk, okay, look, let's talk about it a little bit. The fear mongering that's going on post 9-11, okay? It's been relentless. I, I, I get you. I was born into the Cold War, which had been going on since the end of World War II. Right? I was not born anywhere close to World War II. I was born, but I was born in the middle of the coldest of all the cold wars that have ever occurred. We were, as children, we were bombarded with, oh my God, they're going to drop a nuclear bomb on us. Because at that time, they had already figured out how to make their own nuclear weapons over there in Russia. And, and we were being scared to death on television, on radio, and in our fucking schools. Stop, drop, and roll. Have you ever heard about that one? Yeah, that's for fire. Duck and cover, however, was also just as famous as stop, drop, and roll to put yourself out if you were on fire. And the whole duck and cover shit was like they would run drills where we would be, it would be a duck and cover drill and you'd hide under your desk. Like, yeah, like that's going to stop a nuclear bomb from vaporizing your ass. You know, I mean... It was all so stupid and we were scared to death and we're and my kids are now being scared to death in the exact same way. Why? Well, rich people don't like poor people. They never have. Why? I don't know. Is it because poor people, you know, can't get rich or is it because there's a lot of poor people that are poor because they're, they're just fine that way? They don't want to get into all the bullshit of, of getting the degree in economics so that they can hopefully go work on Wall Street so that they can hopefully take home bonuses one day that are, you know, over, you know, 10 figures because they're literally just trading in a gambling casino and not actually building anything. Maybe the people who actually know how to do shit want to do that shit. I don't know, man. I mean, the whole thing is is awful, but... This guy from Russia knows better. He knows better. He understands what's going on. And if you don't think that Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen and all those people up here in, in or up here in Washington, you know, DC, if you think that they are really ignorant about what's going on, you're wrong. They know exactly what's going on. They know the danger it represents. They will fight and they will bring to bear some of the most terrible weaponry you've ever seen. You've got to be prepared to stand in front of it. You've got to be prepared to get shot by it. I don't know what else to tell you, but this guy gets it. So I, I got to the point where I actually have come to respect Russia. I'm not sure what I think about Vladimir Putin. I mean, the dude is ballers as fuck, but I don't, you know, he may be an, an actual dictator and I'm not all happy about that, but we've got better fish to fry. And so does Peter Thiel. He's been underinvested in Bitcoin, according to Stephen Graves out of Decrypt.co. Tech billionaire Peter Thiel said that he's underinvested in Bitcoin during an appearance in Miami, adding that the rise of cryptocurrency tells us we are at a complete bankruptcy moment for the central banks. Jesus Christ, is this guy like friends with the Russian oligarch or something? Are they talking? Because he's using the exact same language here. With Bitcoin recently reaching an all-time high of over $67,000, Thiel pondered whether it would rise further. Bitcoin at 66000 is it going to go up? Maybe, Teal said in an event hosted by right-leaning nonprofit, the Lincoln Network. He joked that you're supposed to just buy Bitcoin, adding, I feel like I've been underinvested in it, and that his hesitation to invest was down to the fact that the secret was already known by everybody. Despite that, he suggested that the answers are still to go long on Bitcoin and that maybe it still is enough of a secret. I don't know. 
The Bitcoin, or rather the billionaire libertarian argued that cryptocurrencies align with his political philosophy as a force of decentralization, while artificial intelligence, especially the sort of low-tech surveillance firm or form, is essentially communist. It's not the first time this week that Thiel has opined about Bitcoin. Speaking at an event hosted by conservative law group Federalist Society earlier this week, the PayPal co-founder suggested that Bitcoin's current bull run points to weaknesses in the United States political system. Quote, I don't know that you should put all your money into Bitcoin at 60 grand, uh, 60 grand price, Teal said, but surely the fact that it is at $60,000 is an extremely hopeful sign. Describing Bitcoin as the canary in the coal mine, Teal argued that it's the most honest market we have in the country, and it's telling us that this decrepit regime is just about to blow up. Ooh. Earlier this year, Teal described himself as pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist, while arguing that the cryptocurrency should also be thought of in part as a Chinese financial weapon against the United States, where it threatens fiat money, but it especially threatens the United States dollar. At the time, he argued that Bitcoin is more likely to serve as a functional reserve currency than China's digital yuan, which he dismissed as some sort of totalitarian measuring device. Might I, I might remind you that this guy is one of the people behind Palantir. Uh, if you don't know what Palantir is, look it up. P-A-L-A-N-T-I-R. If China's long Bitcoin, <clears throat> then perhaps from a geopolitical perspective in the United States, we should be asking some tougher questions about exactly how that works, he said. Just weeks later, China defied his predictions, launching a wide-ranging crackdown on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So Peter Thiel could be wrong. He was like looking at it as within weeks, basically, of Peter Thiel saying that it was a Chinese weapon. China basically pulled the gun out of their shoulder holster, pointed it to their own head and blew their own brains out. Again, I might remind you, if you guys are thinking, <clears throat> if you're miners from China and you're thinking about going back to China, don't. Don't do it. You're free. Remain that way. Please, for the love of God, remain that way. Bitcoin surpasses Swiss franc to become the world's 13th largest cryptocurrency. On that note, I shall say that I do wish that the Swiss army knife manufacturers would make a hardware wallet because that would just be slick as shit, man. Again, Bitcoin Magazine, Anomsios is writing this one. At the time of writing, Bitcoin has surpassed the Swiss franc in market capitalization as the world's 13th largest currency, according to data from fiatmarketcap.com. There are only 12 world currencies left for Bitcoin to overcome. Fiatmarketcap.com takes a Bitcoin standard approach to analyze currencies. It measures the world's largest currencies in terms of market cap as priced in BTC, the best form of money ever created, but still lagging in perception. The website also uses BTC as a measuring stick for countries' gross domestic product, which puts Bitcoin at 18th place. As the world starts recognizing the superiority of BTC in nearly all aspects of a good money, namely durability, portability, verifiability, divisibility, and scarcity. As time progresses, the Bitcoin adoption increases. It is set to have a more well-established history of success, which confers upon it a greater appeal for usage. By thinking in Bitcoin terms right away, people can realign the incentives governing their economic decisions. As monetary supply increases indefinitely, inflation follows suit and so do prices, leading to a distorted view of the economic reality based on the feedback given by free market prices. A Bitcoin standard has the potential to restore the confidence of market participants in the overall prices being used in the economy. Since one BTC cannot be debased through loose monetary policies governed by corruptible human beings, its assurances of retaining purchasing power allow for a realignment of economic incentives. In the fiat system based on debt, people are discouraged from saving and encouraged to take on debt, never deferring the option to spend now for later. In a Bitcoin economy, people would not be rushed to spend their money since they would have the assurance that their purchasing power would be preserved over the long term. Well, that's what we want. That's what I've always wanted. Money that just holds its fucking value. Whether you put it under a mattress, throw it in a safe, keep it in a bank, whatever it is. But we can't do that anymore. When I was a kid, 
there was actually an interest rate that your savings account would would get. And it was, I want to say when I was a kid, it was like two, maybe three or 4%. Before that, it was a lot more. But it's like, it's there's nothing there. I, I, I looked at my bank statement the other day and they gave me one United States penny for a year of keeping my money in a, you know, my fiat stack in a bank, a penny over a course of a year. Yeah, let that sink in. Spectre is in the news. Bitcoin wallet Spectre integrated a liquid sidechain network. Nice. I don't know that much about liquid because I haven't used it, but it's becoming more and more evident that the liquid sidechain, which is a sidechain of Bitcoin, is becoming more and more looked at like lightning, okay? It's not lightning. It doesn't work like lightning. It works in a completely different way. Ah, fuck it. Let's just get into this one. This is Bitcoin Magazine, also written by Nomsios. Spectre Solutions has integrated the Liquid Bitcoin sidechain network into its desktop and hardware wallet solutions and added support for Blockstream's hardware wallet Jade, according to a release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The integration will enable Spectre users to transact in the Liquid network with Jade and Spectre hardware wallets. Quote, at Blockstream, we believe self-custody is a fundamental right, said Samson Mo, Chief Strategy Officer at Blockstream. Quote, running a node, whether it is Bitcoin itself or a layer two solution like Liquid or Lightning, unlocks the full potential of the asset and the ability to self-bank. We look forward to continuing our work with Spectre to help make running a node more accessible and enjoyable for the everyday Bitcoiner, end quote. Liquid is a federated sidechain of Bitcoin, meaning it has a separate blockchain network different from Lightning, which runs on top of the Bitcoin blockchain as a layer two solution. Blockstream created Liquid to empower traders and exchanges with faster and confidential transactions and the ability to issue digital assets at the expense of a few trade-offs. Liquid allows Bitcoin to flow between Liquid and Bitcoin networks with a two-way peg. Bitcoin used in the Liquid network is referred to as LBTC and its verifiably equivalent amount of BTC is managed and secured by the network's members, which are called functionaries. However, functionaries can be interpreted as requiring trust in third parties because although full nodes can ensure functionaries correct behavior by verifying transactions and peg ends, only functionaries have the power to secure the network. The uprising of different options for users to interact with and leverage the Bitcoin network is a net positive, but the trade-offs are essential to understand. Liquid is a meaningful tool for a particular set of use cases, primarily for exchanges and high-frequency traders. Still, everyday users might be put off by the introduction of trust and permission into pegging in and out of a BTC IOU, which goes against some principles of Bitcoin. So what I like about Nomsios is that he really breaks this shit down. It is a trusted network. You will have to make a decision if you use the liquid sidechain as to just how much trust you're willing to put into the hands of Adam Back, Samson Moe, and the rest of the crew over at Blockstream. If it's something that you don't want to do, guess what? You don't have to do it. If it's something that you might feel that you need, like you are somebody who trades all the time, then go check it out. But what's cool here is that Spectre, as far as I know, Spectre is like, I think it's like the first wallet outside of Blockstream that actually integrates Liquid into their wallet. I'm not sure about that. If I'm wrong, make sure that you correct me, okay? Don't let me say stupid shit all the time. Crypto exchange FTX hits $25 billion valuation in its latest funding round. <clears throat> uh, this is what I'm going to refer to as a meme raise. Tim Hockey is going to tell you why here from Decrypt.co. FTX, the second most popular crypto exchange after Binance, has announced it's writing on a new valuation of $25 billion after raising, get this, $420,690,000 in a funding round of 69 investors. For 2069, that's been a meme in, in Bitcoin, right? So I, I, when I first read this, I swear to God, I thought it was a joke. It's not. They actually did this. Anyway, 69 investors, including the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan and asset management giants BlackRock and Tiger Global. Again, another pension. Pensions are coming, guys. Pensions are coming. You just hold on. 
just hold on. Just if, if, if you're having problems with the price today, go outside, take a walk, and don't look at the price for another week, okay? The new funding round comes just three months after FTX raised $900 million in a Series B featuring Sequoia Capital, Paradigm, and Coinbase Ventures. Since the July raise and evaluation of $18 billion, the crypto exchange has grown by leaps and bounds. The crypto exchange's user base has reportedly grown by 48%, and its average trade volume has increased by 75%. On average, it handled around $13 billion worth of daily trading this month alone. The new funds will be put towards addressing adjacent market opportunities, including equities, prediction markets, NFTs, and video game partnerships, said FTX's head of product, Ramnik Arora. We expect to make strategic investments designed to grow the business and expand our regulatory coverage, end quote. In September, FTX relocated from Hong Kong to the more Bitcoin-friendly, the Bahamas. Oh, nice. Got some Bahama shorts going on. FTX founder and CEO Sam Bakeman fried said on Twitter that the Bahamas is one of the few places to set up a comprehensive framework for crypto, adding that the country has emerged from COVID lively, safe, and without quarantine. Earlier this month, reports emerged that FTX was also planning on setting up a political action committee, or PAC. A PAC pools contributions from its members to assist with lobbying efforts and is then able to donate up to $5,000 to any political candidate. Despite the reports, FTX denied that it was indeed setting up a pack. So I guess they're really not, but whatever. We got we got other stuff to do here. Oh, do you know I don't want to? Oh, for God's sakes. Hold on. Well, I thought I had one more for you, but I don't. So we're going to go ahead and just call it quits. I know this is like going to be, you know, clearly this is a late episode. It's also a fairly short episode, but hey, what are you going to do? My Nicholas Taleb uh, <clears throat> uh, Bloomberg article decided to time out on me, and now they want me to pay. Again, if you guys had any sense about you over there at Bloomberg, you would allow me to ask for a an LN URL, and I would pay 50 cents just to read that article with Bitcoin. But no, you guys are assholes, and that's why you're all going to die. Um, no joke today either. I will just, well, shit, I'll, I'll just see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.